Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everyone? This is the Go Along Podcast live at Hamburg Brewing Company with a fancy new backdrop behind us. We shimmied on downstairs, pounded our beef on wicks, ordered some Juice Box Boy IPAs, and welcomed in a familiar face. And it is good to see your face, Matthew Fairburn. It's been too long. How in the hell are you out there in beautiful Mass? Cheers to Matt. Cheers to Matt. Cheers to Matt Fairburn. I'm doing well, but I'm I'm bummed out that I'm not there at Hamburg Brewing right now. You know that I have to join via satellite here. It's uh, it's really a downer. It looks like a good time over there. You've been here. We we've hung out here with Matt before for one of our oh yeah go long one of the extravagant. We had a good one here with Matt. I remember. I enjoyed that one. Western New York really hasn't been the same. Without Matt Fairburn, I'll say that. It's, well, there's, there's a void. Matt is here's why Matt is so smart. He goes, well, he's smart for at least a year. He goes to Boston slash Foxborough, and he gets to cover a team that never makes a bad draft pick. Because I've never met a team that gets credit for every move they make in the draft. Whether nationally though matt we'll, we'll ask matt locally they they get pressure now this is where I, this is where I, this is why i'm being sarcastic because oh, okay. i know matt knows it used to drive us crazy <laughs> when we were with the bills and you study drafts and i'm, I'm not even really going to take down the patriots just study every team's draft study all of them for the last five to six years and i promise you i promise you you're going to get about a 40 40 to 50 percent hit rate that are good, you know, good players. But we just Belichick makes the trade. Oh, he just acquired two more picks in the Genius. third round. In the third round, can't believe it. But do we follow up on those players or the other way? You know, it's just. But Matt, do you do you ever laugh about that? Do you feel like the Patriots do get a, or is that over now since Brady I think left? It's, 
I think it's over. I, I think I think it's starting to become over if it's not. I don't know. You know, I do think there's enough people nationally and locally that are, you know, in Belichick we trust and whatever Bill does. He Look, you win that as much as he has, you earn a little bit of that. No question. But, but their draft classes from about, you know, probably 25, 14 you could say maybe 2015 they had some hits in in 2015 i guess you could start it in 2017 to about 2020 really were iffy and ownership uh robert Kraft even said you know that their drafting has been poor and he kind of called it out and they had a good draft last year at least looks at so far with mac jones barmore ramondre stevenson but they got a lot of pressure um you know, from, I mean, right from internally in the organization to draft better, draft differently and get things figured out. Because for a while, I think it's part of why the transition was the way that it was going from Brady is because there wasn't a lot of talent around Brady, which I think is part of what made him, you know, eager to leave. And when they transitioned, they really had to have that year where it was a bit of a reset because there was not a lot of talent when they had all those guys opt out and they had to spend so much money heading into this season because they hadn't drafted well. So they had to, you know, find ways to get, you know, some decent players on the field. So I do think, I don't know. I'm, locally people crush Belichick these days over his drafting <laughs> over it's seemingly everything he does, that's but I think that's, actually, I think that's, sad, you know, I think that's sports radio and, media around here in general um you know the sports radio here they're they're tough on on those guys sometimes maybe just by default uh, that's their personality and their nature but i think this is a bit of a prove it time for belichick you know brady's gone it's been a couple years you got your quarterback going into year two and they've kind of sat pat this offseason they're kind of not doing a whole lot they'd take a guard in the first round and that's the move those are the types of moves or the type of offseason of a team that thinks what it has is going to develop and come together and take a step and that's a lot of that is on Belichick because he's the one making the moves and he's the one developing those players so we'll see how it plays out I did a poor job introducing our special special guest as well this is Matt Fairburn of the athletic New England Patriots beat writer if you don't know that we we assume that we assume we assume you know we don't want to we don't want to treat our listeners like buff- we, like they're buffoons they they know the deal they knew we got it. carried they away we thought he was we sitting, got so excited we, we thought we were all sitting at the bar at yeah. Hamburg yeah we thought he was here with us and everybody was watching yeah you know what Belichick's response should be when you know Robert Kraft has taken a few shots because he said this offseason too like oh, it's been a few years since we won a playoff game or something now. <laughs> Like subtle, fi- fire the offensive coordinator first. Yeah, like what Bill should say is, you know, I, I really think uh, Robert just needs to go down there to Orchids of Asia and just get a get a massage and relax a little. You know, that'd be fun if he just snuck a little jab in, right? That would that would be far and away the most notable Bill Belichick quote uh, <laughs> he could possibly ever. In his monotone voice, if he said that, it would be great. Just, he doesn't even need to say Orchids of Asia. He can just say. Rob needs to get a massage and just relax. That is outstanding. And yes, it, but, but to you, what we're talking about is true. Like there's always that first comment, 
you know, a head coach fires a coordinator. That's your first sign of it's not my fault, it's yours. Man, that owner comes out, the owners, when they don't like to talk, especially about a guy like Belichick, and he comes out and says, we haven't drafted that well. Cesario left to Houston. Now it's Bill's like, this is on you, Bill. Like, I'm put. you are now in charge of this post-Brady era. And they spent like crazy last offseason. They were signing guys left and right. And these are hand-picked Bill Belichick free agents, right, Matt? I mean, he... He got that's the dogs not really, he wanted. That's not really a, you know, Robert Kraft mentioned at the owners meetings this year that that's not really how he believes that you build a consistent winner. That's not the formula. And because he's seen it with his team and with Belichick that you don't need to go out and spend in free agency if you draft well. And they, and so, yeah, he has, I, it's the, interesting because I think people jump from things that Robert Kraft says and can easily jump at least around here on the radio, they jump to Robert Kraft is putting Bill Belichick, you know, on, on notice. But I think it's more Robert Kraft feels like this is part of his role as the owner is to put a little pressure and to, you know, have some accountability. I don't think he wants Bill Belichick to go anywhere for a long while. I think the results would have to turn dramatically for that to happen. I mean, the way the season ended was really ugly in New England last year. One and four, that terrible playoff loss to the Bills. They didn't force a punt in two games against the Bills late in the season. But still, with a rookie quarterback, a lot of new pieces, if you said they finished 10 and seven and lose in the wild card, I don't think that's like a no. bad season. But that's a great. The, but when you look at it, when your lasting impression is one and four and two embarrassing losses to the bills, then it's a little, and the one win was against the Jaguars who were just awful. Then it doesn't look so good. So for a moment, they looked like they might be the best team in the AFC. And then now it's a matter of which version of the Patriots are we going to see in 2022? That is the perfect way to say it. The Jaguar, like, the whole transition, what you just said, and expectations. The Jaguars awful. What happened to the Colts because they lost to the Jaguars at the end of the season? It ruined their whole. I mean, Jim Irsay said quarterback get Carson gone. Out of here. Frank Reich was. I mean, Irsay probably was ready to fire him, but hey, I'll get Chris Ballard. Probably said, let's give him one more year. Let's, you know. But you're right. When you, certain teams have the Patriots had a good season, they had a rookie quarterback made the playoff. You know a lot of teams would be pretty happy with that where Kraft is looking at that. Like, mm, yeah, let's get a little bit better. He wants to that. win a playoff game. He said there he made go. it perfectly clear. He's like, it's been a while since we won a playoff game, which I, you know, three or four year drought here or whatever, uh, three season drought, maybe four years. Well, <laughs> Kraft has to make sure Kraft yeah. understands. There's a lot of fan bases and a lot of NFL teams that, yeah, that haven't been to a play. They don't playoffs, feel sorry to them. Yeah. <laughs> let alone one one. But it, it goes to yeah. show you the expectations. I mean, he's not getting any younger. He he wants results. And he, he opened up the checkbook last year and he wants and they got they got the results, but it's an interesting, interesting time for them because they sat there, you know, they go out and get Jabril Peppers, they trade for Devontae Parker, right? You know, some mid-level moves. I agree. And for a team that everybody thinks the Patriots should be chasing, right? Because they were 10 and seven and because they, 
you know, lost so badly in the first round of the playoffs. People think they should be desperately chasing. They should be the ones pulling the the Tyree kill type move or the Devonte Adams type move that you see these other teams in the AFC make. But Bill Belichick has kind of gone back to his usual ways of saying, I like what we've got on the roster. There's guys that didn't play particularly well. Let's see if we can get them to come along in year two in the system. That's a big thing. You know, guys in New England talk about is that first year in New England is, is tough. And it's, I think tougher than it is in a lot of other places, getting used to the system and things of that nature. So if you get a jump from Mac Jones, if you get guys like Johnu Smith and Nelson Aguilar to play a bit better, if Matt Judon can find that form he had before the last month of the season, you know, they think, they think maybe they got something, but it is interesting. You know, they lose JC Jackson, they lose Ted Karras, they lose Shaq Mason, trade him away for a fifth round pick, but maybe even more importantly than those, Josh McDaniels walks out the door. I was just going to bring that up. The O-line coach goes with him, you know, the, this is um, where I was, yep. The assistant quarterbacks coach. And the only guy they bring in is Joe judge so far. Um, is, he, you know, is Joe, he running the offense? Is Joe Judge basically going to run the offense? The beautiful thing about Bill Belichick is he just refuses to say. You know, like yesterday, we'll, we'll, Nelson, we'll know when they line up for that quarterback sneak on third well, and eight. Right? You know, he said. That's why, that's why. He said I, at the owners' meetings, it, it was very vintage Belichick when somebody asked, you know, who's going to call your who's going to call your plays uh, on offense, and he said, "Well, we don't have to call any for a while." You know, like, <laughs> well, if you, there's true. no more trusty website than our lads. Agree for, again. hundred percent. hundred percent. You go on our lads.com. I'm looking at the Patriots step chart right now, right under OC vacant. <laughs> it says vacant, <laughs> vacant, so, which, you know, I, is it vacant? I don't know. Like I clearly not right. They have some sort of plan. Joe judge, Matt Patricia is involved on offense in some capacity nick cayley the tight ends coach i think they might be grooming to be sort of that next guy but then you have to wonder like does bill get more involved on offense i mean he's smart enough to do it uh he can you know but yeah who's going to be calling plays because i think this is where this is to to jim's point at the very start of the podcast this is where i will agree with you that if anybody else you strip away the Patriots logo and strip away the name of the head coach. If any other team heading into their quarterback second season, let the OC, you know, walk away and didn't obviously replace that person. Like didn't have a clear plan. Everybody else would have to justify what they were doing. Right. Right. And Bill Belichick doesn't have to because his owner you know, even said, he's like, yeah, sometimes he does things a little bit differently, but the results speak for themselves. And that's where, man, it better work because you're developing a quarterback. This isn't Tom Brady who can basically run the offense himself. This is a second year kid. So that transition to year two with no offense, you know, with no Josh McDaniels, I should say that somebody will be the offensive coordinator. He might not give out the title though, because he has done that in the past. The defensive coordinator title has kind of just been sitting there Part of it, I do think, I think it's not a huge part, but a small part is the media piece because coordinators have to talk once a week. And so if he doesn't name one, technically 
they can just rotate that among assistants. That's what they do with the defensive yeah, coordinator here. That's a good they just rotate, that. you know, I do think there's probably a small part of that, but I don't know. I think it's, it's a big Bill Belichick prove it type of season because he, he's getting a ton of benefit of the doubt that he's earned, but it's all going to fall back on him if it doesn't go well, because a lot of the stuff he's doing is, is very, you know, unconventional in some ways. And, you know, not what people expected. I think not what some people on the outside expected of, you know, how they might get a little bit more aggressive to catch up to the bills. So here's a great, this is, I love what you just said though. It falls back on Belichick at the end of the day, how much pressure or how much does he really stress at night at this point in his life? And we talk about this on the show a lot. Like, why does Pete Carroll keep coaching? I don't know. Why does Bill Belichick, at what point have you maxed out your coaching? You know, you maxed it out. You can't really do any better than you've done. So if this season is a failure for Belichick and, and Kraft says it's time, Nantucket's waiting. But you know what, what I'm saying? What's he going to do? Like, I, no, that's fine. Know. That's, the, that's the Shawshank redemption that we've talked and, about and, that. It's, it's the whole, what do you do when you get out of jail? Yeah, it is, yeah. Because this is all I know. I don't know how to operate in the real world. I just know how to. Which is nuts because was it 07, 08, where I know Matt's read our buddy Seth Wickersham's book. We've mentioned. It I gotta read it. You told. I know. I gotta. He said it'll it. come on the podcast too, so we'll get him. But um, it's better to be feared. Where he notes in there, and everybody can see it. The documentary, you know, when Spygate's going on, and Bill Belichick is trying to like get his image back. He gives NFL Films all that access to just show everybody what it's like day to day in his world. And he had that comment. He he makes fun of Marv Levy. He said, you know, I'm not gonna be like Marv Levy <laughs> in my 70s doing this crap, basically. And he just turned 70. I mean, he's in he that space now. Like, you know, he, he's got his kids on staff. I think that's, uh, good point, you know, good point. I, I think good that's point. A, an important point because it's true. That's a good point. You know, wouldn't that be part of why you peel away is to have just more family some time? Of, Not that his of. sons are his only family, but, you know, having those guys on staff, getting to, you know, help them launch what will become of their coaching careers, I think is a big part of it. He's got the record that he's chasing, you know, the, the most wins. So he has a little bit more to coach for. Than so I he think. is going for that. There is some type of, I would yeah. assume, you know, a guy as competitive as he is, is aware yeah. of where that, that number is. And what if I, I told do, you, what if I told you, I think there's a fine line between competitive and obsessive compulsive. I don't know that. Is there a line? I mean, that I'm for, asking for these guys. I'm more talking to you guys. Yeah, for these guys, absolutely. I, I've heard I mean, this my whole career. He's so competitive. He just wants to win. I'm like, yeah, who doesn't want to win? We used to ask players that. What's worse, right? We every player in the combine gets asked the same question. But what do you do? You love winning or do you hate losing? Well, everybody loves winning. That's easy. But you got to hate losing to continue to do or yeah. better yourself. And that's kind of the answer we were looking for. Not that it made a difference, but I, I've always thought that about these coaches that can't stop. I'm like, I don't think they understand. It's I, I, I'm not disagree. I'm not saying he's not competitive. I'm just saying, at what point? Hey, man, I did it. Like I maxed it out. Well, it's got to look. He beat Buffalo here in Western New York in the wind. 
That was a fake see, Tyler. Don't no, do this. No, hey, I'm getting to it. All right, go ahead. Like, and I'll still remember his reaction <laughs> with that final stop. You don't see that kind of reaction. That out was of, true. Out of Bill Belichick. That was a good point. That win meant that a was lot. A good point. You could he see, looked, like, they looked at each other like. It was a feather in the cap. Like, we scripted this game plan to yeah. beat a team we didn't have any business beating. And then they get curb stomped two games in a row by Josh Allen. And well, yeah, you know, Jim I want think, a little bit of money on that one. I but. think what's interesting about it's going to stick with what, him. Is my point? Like he doesn't want his end on those terms. I, agree I think what's you. what's yeah. interesting about that wind game is I like the wind game. How so we much, got thirteen seconds in the wind game. I like that. Okay. <laughs> how much enjoyment he got out of that? I think that's part of why, probably more so than competitiveness, the record, his yeah. kids, anything else. I mean. It doesn't always show because I know he's, you know, monotone and sometimes expressionless and very to the point public facing. But my God, does this guy love football? Like, and like, no doubt he loves. And when he can do like weird things, like run the ball, you know, (laughs) a million times, it's almost like when he just keeps out about it. I feel like I loved it. That's a great point. At this point, the fifties. At this point in my career. I've coached how many years? I've never had weather like this. Let me see if I can pull yeah. this off tonight. I, it's that's a, a personal that's challenge. A true, that's a personal. Yeah. I like that. And like, I don't know that like that was why he did it. Like, oh, I've never no. run the ball this many times. Let me see if I can do it. But when it when it starts to happen and you're starting to run the ball a lot and you're like, wow, this is working. Maybe it'll just keep working. And then you win the game that way. In fact, I would probably say I was thinking about this the other day because I thought about that game and the way they lost to the bills in those two games after the fact almost makes that first game like a more impressive coaching job in some ways from bill belichick because i agree with you so much you could go a few different ways with it it depends what type of team you think the patriots actually were i think when it comes down to it because if you think they were a good team that that belichick screwed up at the end uh, you know, then you're probably not that impressed by the wind game. Some people aren't going to be impressed at all because it was a bizarre weather event. But if you think the Patriots were actually sort of overachieving out ahead of their skis and they, you know, crashed down to reality at the end of the season, then that was sort of the peak of it, of, you know, playing a team that people think was should have been in the Super Bowl and playing this uber elite offense and this great defense <laughs> and just running all over them. And, you know, out coaching them, out schooling them. And then, yeah, you get killed, you know, crushed by them in the two games afterwards. But doesn't it just show you, like, what happened in that that Monday night game was, you know, one of a handful of inexcusable losses from the Bills because clearly the talent gap by the end of the year looked vast. And that game happened in early December. And, you know, a few weeks later, they were blowing them out you know uh on the same field so i don't know it was that was an interesting i will remember that game for a long long time like a long long time how how wide is the gap in your opinion between buffalo and new england and take it one step further go with the whole division if you could because i i was going to ask this later but i think i was going to say do you feel like uh, that's why i was going to talk about this division right now obviously clearly buffalo is the top do you feel like this division now is creeping on Buffalo? I, I, I don't. I don't, actually, I don't either. I don't either. Uh, I don't either. I don't. I don't 
I would say the Patriots. You could flip a coin on I, all. I, I guess teams. I would say I would say the Patriots maybe are the Patriots are the closest to the Bills. I just don't buy the, the Jets and Dolphins yet. I, I just yeah. don't because you know if you don't have a quarterback, then <laughs> I don't really. I, don't, I just don't really care about what else you've done. And so <laughs> until until Tua, you know, becomes what he was supposed to be, I'm not sure that Tyreek Hill solves all the problems. And the Sammy Jets, Watkins, EJ Manuel. Right. I, I, you could go down the list. Sometimes it works. You know, sometimes you go out and trade for Stephon Diggs and your young quarterback takes the jump. And then all of a sudden you're well, one of the best teams in the AFC. That can That's happen. the difference. That's the you know, That's what we talked about. Which quarterback, right. Who's going to make it, that jump is can Zach Wilson do it? Maybe. I, I mean, Maybe. he's a total wild card to me. And Three, Tua yeah. has not been overly impressive all that often. Maybe Mike, da- Mike McDaniel can get in there and scheme something up, but ultimately you need the guy throwing the ball to be the one that elevates people around him often enough. Frankly, I, I Mike like Daniel. I like Mac no. Jones better than those other two quarterbacks short I mean, and long term. That's that's I agree. Well, I mean, that, you can't you can't you can't say there's a definitive who's better than who of that group. I agree. Like Josh Allen sitting there, yeah, yeah. I think it's Josh Allen. I think it's Mac Jones, and then until the other two show something. Fair. I mean, seeing Mac Jones and Zach Wilson on the field at the same time. Granted, you know Zach Wilson going up against the Patriots defense, but. Zach Wilson at times looked lost and you know that happens to a lot of rookies but it was bad yeah. that game was bad but Matt, until you what, see it happen until you see yeah. him turn a corner confidence wise the way Josh Allen sort of did at the end of his rookie year I just don't know that I get that they made some good draft picks they've made some good moves they have a smart GM and Joe Douglas maybe it'll all come together but it might be for the next quarterback if that guy's not you know, ready, yeah. ready for it. So we'll see. He has a ton of talent, but well, it's, the coaches and the quarterbacks haven't proven anything, frankly. You just, just, Mac Jones and Zach Wilson couldn't be more opposite as far as one is off the chart talent, right? That's the guy you're drafting off the bus. The other guy is the guy that gives you the substance, the, you know, I'm not scared under pressure. I don't want to say Zach Wilson's scared, but he played a little frantic fast where Mac Jones didn't show that. Those two are so different. Where Wilson's ceiling, people are betting on he's going to get to Josh Allen's ceiling. And that's why people are all into the Jets right now. And Mac Jones is kind of, this is who he is, and blah, blah, blah. Tua, this is who he is, blah, blah, blah. I'm with you, though. I just don't know what team, whatever quarterback of those teams takes that step will be the team that challenges Buffalo. Let me say on that, though, with Josh Daniels leaving, because it just seemed like his coaching job with Mac Jones. Huge. I mean, you go from huge one huge. to I wanted to touch on that late You're right. November, early December. It was a different Mac Jones, 100%. right, Matt? I mean, it was a guy who was kind of. I mean, the training wheels were on. I feel I feel like there were three sets of training wheels. Hundred percent in the season, but you know that Browns blowout. I can remember a few throws where he gunned it downfield. You know, he gripped it, he ripped it, he took a chance into some tight coverage, and it's like okay, like he turned a corner. But I feel like there was his offensive coordinator kind of opening things up. So he's gone now. You remove him from that it's equation. Big, big. How big of a factor is that? How much was Mac Jones's improvement on Mac Jones? Like, and how does he continue his development? I mean, people can make fun of him all they want. They lay love to around here, but 
He improved uh, throughout the season. You can put up his numbers okay. as a rookie versus pretty much anybody. You guys could, you know, tell me if I'm crazy, but I thought he looked okay in the playoff game. I didn't think he was the Patriots' problem against the Bills. I agree. Um, I agree with you, Matt. I agree. I was kind of surprised the way that he I played. I don't think he was cold. that bad. I agree. Um, he had that interception early. Micah Hyde made an amazing play on the ball. The ball hung I up there. Again. I thought, it Matt. Like a touchdown. It looked that, like a touchdown. We talked about that. Matt, I agree. That play changed the game. They were Dude. getting ready to tie that game. They were getting ready to make – yeah, I agree. And he bounced back from that and didn't – he wasn't the problem. It was the fact that the defense no. couldn't do the same thing. That. So yep. that's, that's, an important, that's an important experience for him. It's why I just think he's way ahead of Tua and, and Zach Wilson, which isn't – saying a whole lot well this is where i was going to go with that matt i agree with you here's where i think the patriots need to figure it's okay we're talking about the bills but we're talking about josh but we're we haven't mentioned herbert mahomes burr burrow um name him i'm forgetting guys every guy the afc quarterback is it's insane like can mac can mac get to that level it's not even about the division right now you're talking about making you're you're not going to be the best team in your division. That's a fact. Can you win a playoff game? Can he beat those quarterbacks? I mean, he is he's on the And does I mean, Devontae Parker really get no, you there? No, it's him has to get no, it's on the quarterback. In my opinion. He beat Herbert last year. Um Belichick made Herbert look extremely ordinary in LA. He did. Um, he did. And he has a tendency to do that to quite a few quarterbacks. Young quarterback hasn't, too, hasn't right? done it. Hasn't done it to Josh Allen lately, but did do it earlier in, in Josh Allen's career. I think that's a legitimate question about where the Patriots are heading, and it's why at times this offseason I thought to myself, "Are they kind of gearing up for 2023?" I mean, Bill Belichick's not really wired to, you know, think of any year as a rebuild or a reset year, but he <laughs> will take the long view. You know, he's not going to sell out for one year especially with a second year quarterback and as I look at you know take a step back and say okay they didn't have a lot of money to spend this offseason they have a ton to spend next offseason when Mac Jones will be going into year three the bills will be tighter up against the cap because you know Josh Allen's big numbers start to kick in you know maybe they're playing the long game a little bit I, I just think it when they take the field, I'm going to be really fascinated to see what it looks like. Because look, I think this time of year, it's easy to see who acquired who and see Devonte Adams and Tyreek Hill and Russell Wilson and think, wow, like, you know, on paper, the rest of the AFC is now loaded, but the, the Patriots won some games last year simply by being simply by playing the way the Patriots play now, you know, by out coaching some teams, they absolutely destroyed the Browns in that one game, you know, Baker got hurt. The Browns weren't great, but beating the chargers, you know, beating some of these teams, they find ways to win some games. And if Mac Jones takes enough of a step, I think there's an element still of bill Belichick. You mentioned Wickersham's book. You read a lot about the Patriots dynasty and, everything that they built, there was a belief at some point that you could win. You didn't need the best quarterback in the league to win. And at times Brady didn't have to be that early in his career for them to win. Now the question is, can Belichick get the rest of it figured out? Because that's what failed them at the end of the year. The defense 
wasn't good enough. The pass rush disappeared. They couldn't force the Bills to punt. Now they lose J.C. Jackson. They replace him with Malcolm Butler, uh, Terrence Mitchell, a couple of rookies. They're, they have a lot of interesting pieces in the secondary. It's going to be one of those years where you say, can Bill Belichick scheme this up? Can he – what does he have up his sleeve? Because yeah. that is the part that I think can't sit well with him is the way his defense played down the stretch. Forget the rest of it, you know, and losing to the Bills and, you know, hurting his pride or whatever. It's the defense piece that I think he has to be going back to the drawing board and saying, what the hell can I do to slow down 17? You know, what's he going to have cooked up? At times, it just looked like it didn't matter because the talent gap was so wide. But I, that can't possibly be true because there's enough talent on that Patriots defense to make something better than than what they put out there. So, again, comes back to to Bill if he can well, mastermind something here. Could could it be the defensive coordinator's fault? Who is the son? The defensive no, coordinator, no, like that. He's fine. where there's oh. there's there's no defensive coordinator in title, right? So how can we point fingers when things were going well? Steve was calling some great plays, and you'd heard that you'd hear that sneak, snuck in there at press conference now and again. And but when it wasn't going well, you know it was a little bit less clear. I mean, Gerard Mayo's over there, Steve Belichick, Bill is over there, Matt Patricia has some sort of ambiguous. This will be the pencil. Use role. the damn pencil. Gotta have the pencil for something. He doesn't use it for anything. It's a laminated play the, sheet. He was down at the owners' meetings, which I found interesting because that's interesting. Jim. Have you have you ever been to an owners' meetings? Like it's, I was, I was no, I was not invited. No, because but you were. I, it's to your point. It's you're tight. right. It's, it's a tight, tight group. It's GM. It's the head coach. It's, it's usually your cap guy. It's the owners, obviously, and then you got like team presidents. Like you need to be in meetings and like. Matt Patricia it just has this vague title. I guess they don't, you know, Everybody's Matt, title's so vague. It's unbelievable. Matt Groh was down there, um, their director of player personnel, the de facto GM. So your GMs are always down there. But, you know, Matt Patricia sort of like maybe has some sort of cap type of role or a front off. I don't know. He was at the owners meetings, which makes you think, you know, that's you got to be pretty high up. Or, you know, the Patriots just do things differently and he's, you know, tight with Belichick and gets to go to West Palm for a few days. But you not some it's not as if it's the combine and everybody goes. It's a it's a tighter group. It's a shorter list of people that get invited to that thing. So it was that's, interesting that he was down there. I think that is well I think that's a great comment that a lot of people might not know about, but that that is tight. Like, it all comes back to Bill Belichick wanting to prove he can win without Tom Brady, too. I oh. mean, you read, you read Seth's book. I mean, he, he couldn't wait to, to get Jimmy Garoppolo in there. It pained Bill Belichick to see him leave. He, he at, at, at his core, I think it's ego. Like, he, I'm not saying that in a bad way, even. Like, he wants to prove he can win without the greatest quarterback of all time. And maybe that's what comes – Go back to your point, Jay. Like that's what brings him back again and again and what again. Brings him back. What like, brings him back? Just I, I can win on my own right. Like do he's not gonna just come out and say anything remotely close to that, Matt, but you get the sense that Bill Belichick is just dying to prove himself as a coach, you know, mutually exclusive from 
the quarterback he won all those Super Bowls with? I got to think there's – I don't know if he's trying to prove himself so much as he is, in a way, like competing with Tom, right? It's like Tom won one, Crazy. and now he's got to show that he can do it too. I don't ever get the sense – because anytime you, you push Belichick or push the right button on the right day, he'll give you a wise crack about, you know, the type of coach he is or what he's done. Or, you know, there was that comment, I think it was after the Titans playoff loss a few years ago, where somebody asked him, you know, what, yeah. what he thought about what he would say to the fans who have been with the team through, through thick and thin. And he's like, there hasn't really been a lot of thin around here. Uh, <laughs> that was great. Know, like, I love that. Uh, Which is a great comment. Yeah. You know, so is he trying to prove himself? I don't know. I, I think he loves, co- he loved coaching that team last year. He had a lot of fun with that team. He was not nearly as, um, you know, grumpy. That's a good, you know, what? whatever Matt? word you want to use to describe him as people, like that. at least coming onto the beat. I was like, you know what? This guy's pretty good to deal with. Like he's, you know, he had some some happy days. Uh, he had some shorter days, like anybody else. But he was, frankly, I don't know. Like him versus Doug Marone, the first year I covered Doug Marone. Like Doug Marone might have been grumpier. I'm not sure. Uh, he might have been, you know, the moodier. Coach. Um, I'll so, I'll go ahead and answer that for you. But yeah, <laughs> um, but, but to like, your point, you're right. He, he was actually, yeah, he was enjoyable. Like to see him celebrate after that win game yeah. you call it it was like wow he this that was the first time i was like man he really did care, he really did care about this game my first question i just wanted to know after that game was i just want to know no we'll never know but did they go into coaches meetings and say fuck it we're not throwing the ball if this is the weather run it we'll play defense let's see what happens i just kind of want to know the thought process on that game but I've never it sounded seen him like look... it was closer to kickoff. It sounded like it was they, they closer tell, they... to like a, a game day thing where it was Which, that's sort wow. of what it sounded even, like because then that's even better. And I don't like you said, we'll never know exactly. For we'll sure never know. Nobody else played that. out, but like based on what players said and how it you know, how much of the truth they're telling, I'm not sure. But I do remember waking up that morning and not knowing <laughs> the you know, the couple of days leading up to that game, it wasn't like the playoff game, the whole week, it was like everybody was talking about how cold it was going to be because it was freezing. Freezing. The wind is a little bit different. Wind we didn't is different. know exactly how bad. We knew it was going to be a nasty weather probably, but we didn't know the wind was going to be that bad. And it, once that became apparent on the day of, it was like, all right, well, we got a few runs in here that, that'll probably work. And then they just kept working. And I think they were also – they were just okay with – playing you know playing keep away just punting the ball and well, you know, they were all you know and they punted it a lot but to, to um, the ego, that has to mean something to bill belichick like i would think i can i, think, I can do this without I, tom brady i, can I also think a quarterback i can beat the bills juggernaut that seems division right. my way my way i think he's enjoying coaching because and not to say he didn't enjoy coaching tom obviously <laughs> you know the success they had but i think how tense and dramatic it got oh. and it became its own little soap opera toward the end. I think Bill is glad to be on the other side of that. You know, that, that early season game against the Buccaneers was such a buildup, you know, 
Tom Brady coming back to Foxborough, Brady playing against Belichick. I feel like Belichick proved a lot that night. He's like, look, I'm going to go up against this guy. They almost win that game. Brady didn't play. Brady got off the field and was in his postgame presser and it like looked like he had, you know, gone the distance, gone, you know, 10, 10 rounds and really had to fight for every, you know, ounce of that win because Belichick put together, you know, a good, good no game doubt. plan. If Jonathan gave Jones all the credit to Steve, that snap, like he, then they win that game. Right. Cause that was, yeah. he gets hurt. He'd been shutting down the slot. And then I forget who it was that came in, but Brady realized it and went right after his backup converted that huge third down. Yeah. It was one of those games where every little thing was going to matter because those two were really button heads, Belichick and Brady, just like figuring out who was going to give first. It was a cool. And then they had their big long meeting after the game. And I think once they got on the other side of that, you know, Belichick was probably happy to be done with that piece of it. It was like, look, there's no bad blood. We, we got together. Everything's good. I coached really well, but as always happens, Tom pulled it out at the end. Kind of the story, you know, great magic when they were both together, but Brady's the one that's going to, you know, pull out the win at the end. And I think when he got to the other side of that, there was, he was really enjoying coaching that team. And yeah, there's got to be a part of him that wants to win one or more without Brady. I mean, who, who wouldn't want to do that? Like Jim well, said, everybody in the NFL is loves to win. You know, loves to win and is is going for that goal. But it feels like there is a pure football piece to it for this guy. That you know, it's a new challenge, a new team, building a young quarterback. Like the fact that the guy wants to do that at seventy years old, uh, like Jim said, probably speaks to other personality traits. You know, but. It like is Bob what it again is. talking to scouts all Same. day and night I, for go long. It's a perfect again, Belichick, greatest of what they do, Hall yeah. of Fame. But when's enough? I see. I mean, Bob Sean, is like a dad to me in Green Bay. Thing. This is him. This is his identity. He loves, there, he loves it. He loves what he does. Sean Payton is like you know I can't say enough things about him for my career and what he did for my career. But him, Drew Brees steps away. He's like, all right, let me give this a shot. He's coming. back. He's coming back. Somebody else, though. My yeah. point is, he realized real quick, I can't. I, all right. I'm good here. I did everything I can. I can't win with this guy. Or this circuits of injuries and blah, blah, blah. Let me take a step back. Let me see who wants to bid, whether it's Jerry Jones, whether it's Terry Pagula in a year. If, well, I don't if know if Sean, you a coach like Mike McCarthy just waltz out of your door. That no, easily. I still want – I still – It's true. My biggest drama for all of us in the media is if the Bills don't have a great year, does Terry Pagula go after Sean Payton? That that that's something I'm 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 throwing out out there on the pod. That would be. Do we transition into the Bills and Sean McDermott now? Should we go that route? No, I've had too many drinks tonight. (laughs) Then we absolutely should. Only Matt can talk about Sean. They're tight. 